namo myoho renge kyo, namo myoho renge kyo, namo myoho renge kyo. Hi everyone, how are you this morning? Or whatever time you're watching this. Uh, chapter 2, Threefold Lotus Dharma Sutra, Innumerable Meanings. Chapter 2 is called Teaching. At that time, Bodhisattva Mahasattva, Great Adornment, with the 80,000 Bodhisattva Mahasattvas, finished praising the Buddha with this verse and said to the Buddha in union, World-honored one, we, the assemblage of the 80,000 Bodhisattva Mahasattvas, want to ask you about the Tathagata's law. The Tathagata being uh, distinct from the world-honored one as the universal Buddha. Yes? Not really understood yet at this point. We are anxious that the world-honored one should hear us with sympathy. Addressing Shakyamuni, yeah? Then Shakyamuni Buddha addressed the Bodhisattva Great Adornment and the 80,000 Bodhisattvas. Excellent, excellent, good sons and daughters. You have well known that this is the time. Ask me what you like. Before long, the Tathagata will enter Parinirvana. After Parinirvana, there shall not be a doubt left to anybody. I will answer any question you wish to ask. Thereupon, the Bodhisattva Great Adornment, with the 80,000 Bodhisattvas, said to the Buddha in unison with one voice, no small feat, World-honored one, if the Bodhisattva Mahasattvas want to accomplish perfect enlightenment quickly, in other words, in this life, yes? What doctrine should they practice? Remember, this is very revolutionary. We're not in the Lotus Super proper. We're in the prologue, right? Like the uh, trailer for a movie. This is the meaty point of the Lotus Sutra. What doctrine makes Bodhisattva Mahasattvas accomplish perfect enlightenment quickly, immediately? How do we do that? Which was the essential point from the very get-go, wasn't it? <clears throat> but at any rate, that's where we are here. Then the Buddha addressed the Bodhisattva Great Adornment and the 80,000 Bodhisattvas. Good sons and daughters, there is one doctrine which makes bodhisattvas accomplish perfect enlightenment quickly. If a bodhisattva learns this doctrine, then he will accomplish perfect enlightenment. This is in the prologue. We haven't even discussed expedient means yet, right? Not really. World-honored one, what is this doctrine called? What is its meaning? How does a bodhisattva practice it? And the Buddha said, Good sons and daughters, this one doctrine is called the doctrine of innumerable meanings. Really? So I enter a note here. Considered to be the prologue to the Lotus Sutra proper, in fact, Shakyamuni of the Lotus 
refers to this sutra in the introduction chapter of the Lotus Sutra. It is, for me, as I read on, that this prologue is named provisionally for the Lotus Sutra itself. In other words, it seems to me that this innumerable meanings title is an apt title for the Lotus Sutra, at least for its breadth of instruction. So, as a three-chapter prologue to the Lotus Sutra proper, the innumerable meanings is simply the gist of the Lotus Sutra teachings by another name, save for the example Renge of the Lotus Flower itself. It's the only thing distinguishing it so far. Right? So it goes on. A Bodhisattva, if he wants to learn and master the doctrine of innumerable meanings, should observe that all laws or all existences and experiences were originally, will be, and are in themselves empty in nature and form. Right? Quiescent energy, formation, form. The form is something that just results from a process, moment to moment to moment. That process is the process. It's not, not a form, not a thing in itself. And it comes from potential. Unparametized, uncharacterized, no factors, right? Those are a result of the process. Karma. So the components of the karma are in themselves just moment-to-moment expressions. They're not... We perceive everything linearly and physically, but nothing simply exists in and of itself. It's, a, it's an expression of a process, like my example of the sparklers. They're a lot of fun while they're sparkling, but as soon as the sparkles dissipate, then this, the fun is gone, Right? The process ends. They are neither great nor small, neither appearing nor disappearing, neither fixed nor movable, and neither advancing nor retreating, retreating and they are non-dualistic, just emptiness. When we experience something, experience is something we consciously manufacture as a an experience, but that experience is ephemeral. It's in the mind. It's not, right? You can't hold a bucket of experience, right? And uh, another annotation here. All dharmas are empty or moment-to-moment instantiations of potential as perceived in the ninth consciousness rather than the lower consciousnesses that desperately cling to persistence of phenomena by the samsaric mind. Hmm? The uh, sutra continues, All living beings, however, discriminate falsely. This is the samsaric mind. It is this, or it is that, and it is advantageous, or it is disadvantageous. They entertain deluded and malicious thoughts 
make various deluded and malicious karmas and thus transmigrate within the six lower realms of existence. Right? The worlds, the realms, right? hell, hunger, animality, so on. And they suffer all manner of miseries and cannot escape from them during infinite codice of kalpas. That time thing again. Another annotation. This is only the first or lower six realms as discussed in the ten wor discussed in the ten worlds or realms of human existence, eventually becoming the three thousand realms, right, of the Lotus Sutra. This is nothing new to the present modern audience, but it comes with an upcoming twist as the example discussed in the forward of the eight consciousnesses of Samsara. Right. Continuing, Bodhisattva Mahasattvas, observing rightly like this, should raise the mind of compassion, display great mercy, desiring to relieve others of suffering, and once again penetrate deeply into all laws, all experiences of existence. Yeah. In the forward, you can see the identification description in the forward of this book. Yeah. According to the nature of the law, tendencies, and conditions, such a law emerges. According to the nature of a law, such a law settles. According to the nature of a law, such a law changes. According to the nature of a law, such a law vanishes. So, the word law can be a bit of a tripwire here, but it simply translates in here as an expression of a condition or tendency that is moment to moment instantiate because of the nature of that karma, the process, right? Certain process begets a certain form, begets a certain dissolution, so up, uh, it arises, endures, uh, or endures, becomes equatable or slash, uh, dissipates until vanishing, right? So this, this little sine wave, if you will, of the process, the engine of life, hmm? frequency. Some equate our chanting of Gangyo, Daimoku, the rhythm that we establish as harmonizing with that frequency. If that's helpful for you, I don't have a problem with the analogy. I just don't get too caught up in these uh, analogies. Again, it's the experience that's important, yeah? According to the nature of a law, such a deluded and malicious law emerges. According to the nature of a law, such a good law emerges. Settling, changing, and vanishing are also like this. Bodhisattvas, having thus completely observed and known these four aspects from beginning to end, should next observe that none of the laws settle down even for a moment. Constantly, it's momentum, right? Energy in momentum, inertia. But all emerge and vanish anew with every moment. That moment-to-moment -moment thing that I, I, you've heard me repeat endlessly, it comes from the Lotus Sutra, or innumerable meanings. Same thing. I'll read it again. But all emerge and vanish anew, Every moment. It, I'm just quoting Shakyamuni. 
and observe that they emerge, settle, change, and vanish instantly. Because how long is a moment? <laughs> Look it up in Buddhism reference, right? It's so, it's unfathomably short. Tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of a second, which by comparison is immense. <laughs> An explicit description of the moment-to-moment -moment reality of all phenomena, this is the engine of life, as again described in Buddhism reference. After such observation, we see all manner of natural desires of living beings, samsara. As natural desires are innumerable, teaching is immeasurable, and as teaching is immeasurable, meanings are innumerable. <laughs> the innumerable meanings originate from one law, the engine of life, or as Nietzsche would identify, this one law is namely non-form. Not, not not form, non-form, which implies something, yeah? But something as an experience, not as a thing. Again, verb versus noun. These parts of speech must have been more evident in Prakrit and early uh, Sanskrit or Pali languages, whereas uh, in English, difficult to parse out, right? So another annotation from yours truly. It is essential to understand the meaning here of non-form. In the equation of potential plus formations equals form, this non-form is the law of potential acted upon and initiating formation. In other words, action is required. What kind of action? Thought. Thought, word, or deed. Thought, word, or body. Thought. The progenitor of everything, yes? prior to the actual expression of that formation as form. Without form, there is no expression or life. In this way, this sutra is identifying Buddha as separate witnessing of the process from its inception of potential through formations, while form itself is of samsara. It's defining this division in the mind. There is the process and there is the attachment to the resulting form, which shouldn't be there. That attachment is the false perception. Follow? But this is a mental delineation rather than a physical one. Shakyamuni identifies this in the Four Noble Truths as the path to enlightenment when he calls for cessation of the formations. Again, not in the physical sense, but in the mental or grasping sense, craving, clinging. So we continue. Such non-form is formless and not form. Being not form and formless, it is called the real aspect of all phenomena. What we would say is the engine that begets all phenomena. The mercy which 
Bodhisattva Mahasattva's display after stabilizing themselves in such a real aspect is real or actual and not vain. This isn't to say that you're superior thinker. It's just seeing the actual truth, yes? They excellently relieve living beings from sufferings. Having given relief from sufferings, they teach the law again and let all living beings obtain pleasure. Good sons and daughters of Bodhisattva, if he practices completely the doctrine of innumerable meanings, like this, will soon accomplish perfect enlightenment without fail. As a prologue, this is me again, to the Lotus Sutra teaching is itself the firm introduction to the skill of skillful means, aka expedient means, by indicating in its title as well as throughout the innumerable perceptions and epistemologies of innumerable sentient minds, minds over time. Good sons and daughters, the Sutra of Innumerable Meanings, such a profound and supreme great vehicle, what is also known as the great vehicle, or the one great vehicle, the Lotus Sutra. So once again, to me, the titles are almost interchangeable, save the fact that the Lotus Sutra additionally provides the Renge analogy, which is critical right the 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 planting of the seed instantaneous with the blossoming of the lotus it's important to understand that that immediacy that expedient is the invocation of perfect enlightenment quickly hmm? literally is reasonable in its logic, unsurpassed in its worth, and protected by all the Buddhas of the three worlds. San Second, the three worlds or realms or spheres, which you can look up in Buddhism reference. Um, oh, or just read on with my annotation. The realm of the five components or aggregates, right, the skandhas, the realm of living beings, and the realm of the environment. That's the three worlds, or spheres. This concept originally appeared in the treatise on the great perfection of wisdom, and Tendai adopted it as a component of his doctrines of the 3,000 realms in a single thought moment of life. The concept of three realms of existence views life from three different standpoints and explains the existence of individual lives in the real world. The five components, a living being as their temporary combination, and that being's environment all manifest the same influence of the ten worlds at any given point in time. Moment to moment. In addition, the three realms themselves are not to be viewed separately, but as aspects of an integrated whole which simultaneously manifests any of the ten worlds taken again as an integral factor of the influences affecting the single moment of momentum that expresses in each successive moment of the engine of life, comprising 3,000 realms of potential instantiation, or influence on potential of instantiations, yeah? Where are we time-wise? Oh, we're doing just great. No kind of demon or heretic can break into it, nor can any wrong view or life and death destroy it. 
Therefore, good sons and daughters, Bodhisattva Mahasattvas, if you want to accomplish Supreme Buddhahood quickly, you should learn and master the Sutra of innumerable meanings, such a profound and supreme great vehicle. Does that mean that innumerable meanings is the only sutra you need learn? No, because innumerable meanings is the prologue to the Lotus Sutra. The two are the same except for their stated purpose. The prologue as prologue and the Lotus Sutra as the complete methodology. At that time, the Bodhisattva Great Adornment said to the Buddha again, World Honored One, the teaching of the World Honored One is incomprehensible. Oops. The natures of living beings are also incomprehensible. And the doctrine of emancipation is also incomprehensible. I mean, this is so vast and mind-blowing. We're having a hard time grasping it. Yeah, well, this is the prologue. The Lotus Sutra will answer all your doubts. It will be a more comprehensive, in-depth study of turning your minds from where they've been so far to the full potential that we all have. That's the purpose of the Lotus Sutra, yes? Though we have no doubt about the laws taught by the Buddha, we have total confidence in you, we repeatedly ask the world-honored one for fear that all living beings should be perplexed. If we're if we're not completely un, if we're not completely unsure, how can we rely on others we teach to not have these nagging doubts? Right. For more than forty years since the Tathagata attained enlightenment, you have continuously taught all the laws to living beings, the four aspects. Suffering, emptiness, transience, selfishness, non-large, non-small, non-birth, non-death, one aspect, non-aspect, the nature of the law, the form of the law, emptiness from the beginning, non-coming, non-going, non-appearance, and non-disappearance. Those who have heard it have obtained the law of warming, the law of the highest, the law of the best in the world, the merit of srota apana the merit of Sagritagaman, the merit of Anagaman, the merit of Arhat, and the way of Pratyaka Buddha, have aspired to enlightenment and ascended the first stage, the second stage, and the third stage, have attained the tenth stage. Because of what difference between your past and present teaching on the laws do you say that if a Bodhisattva practices only the Sutra of Immeasurable Meanings, a profound and supreme great vehicle, he will soon accomplish supreme Buddhahood without fail. You see, this is where the 40 previous years actually become a stumbling block to this paradigm shift. Because they've ingrained these teachings in the wrong way. Thinking that their goal was this this remind this remainder based nirvana without seeing that that was a step along the way to buddhahood right and then the parable of the uh, apparitional city or the conjured city he will make that explicit he'll talk about it beforehand but that parable just gels this problematic hmm? 
Anyway, moving on. World honored one be pleased to discriminate the law widely for living beings out of compassion for all and to leave no doubt to all the law hearers, the Sharakas, in the present and future. Annotation. This presages the parable of the seventh chapter of the Lotus Sutra, the conjured city, to redress the long-standing prejudice of the early sectarian sects of Hinayana or lesser vehicles, including Sravakas, Prachagabuddhas, and Arahants. It becomes apparent that the Bodhisattvas of the Lotus Sutra is beyond the early teachings of Bodhisattva from the lesser vehicles. This is the parable that Shakyamuni Buddha demonstrates that the Nirvana, quote-unquote, he had taught the student monks at the time, due to their cultural mythologies, their grumbling about the efforts required in practice, that they could actually achieve Nirvana in this life while not expecting full enlightenment or Buddhahood until some future lifetime, is the way they took it. This was, in fact, a false nirvana. To assuage, assuage the, the students' weariness and now must be discarded in order to attain what was the initial goal of Buddhist practice of enlightenment in this life, in this very lifetime or form. So, continuing on, hereupon the Buddha said to Bodhisattva Great Adornment, Excellent, excellent, great sons and daughters, you have well questioned the Tathagata about such a wonderful meaning of the profound and supreme great vehicle. Do you know that you will bring many benefits, please men and universal realms of influence, and relieve living beings of sufferings? It is truly the great benevolence and the truth without falsehood for this reason you will surely and quickly accomplish supreme Buddhahood in this lifetime. You will also make all living beings in the present and future accomplish supreme Buddhahood. Good sons and daughters, after six years right sitting under the Bodhi tree of the wisdom throne, I could accomplish perfect enlightenment. Anuttara Samyak Sambodai. With the Buddha's eye, I saw all the laws and understood that they were inexpressible. A note, Gohanzon mind paradigm shift or transmigrated from eight consciousnesses, samsara, to the ninth and ultimate consciousness. Right? For what reason? I knew that the natures and desires of all living beings were not equal as their natures and desires were not equal. I taught the law variously, expedient means. It was with tactful power, penetrations or understandings, that I taught the law variously. In 40 years and more, the truth has not been revealed yet. Be prepared. What you've learned and studied for so long, you haven't gotten there yet. This teaching is going to upend that. Not because it was wrong, not because it was inadequate, but it's because of your understanding that was inadequate. I'm now going to ensure that that no longer continues. We're going to change your mind here.
In 40 years and more, the truth has not yet been revealed. Therefore, living beings' powers of attainment are too different to accomplish supreme Buddhahood quickly. And this is, as I say all the time, it's an individual practice. It, there's, there's no way you could have a universal text one time and have everyone get it. This has to be shared, could be universal in the sharing but the nurturing has to come from one's personal insights because of our various karmas, yes? As we will read in the seventh chapter of the Lotus in the parable of the apparitional or conjured city, those 40 years of teachings held an interim but false goal of nirvana for students to yet aspire after a time of respite to the true and more distant goal of a full and complete attainment of Buddhahood in this very lifetime and form. Continuing with the sutra, Good sons and daughters, the law is like water and washes off dirt. As a well, a pond, a stream, a river, a valley stream, a ditch, or a great sea, each alike effectively washes off all kinds of dirt. So the law water effectively washes off the dirt of all delusions of living beings. Right? Another annotation. Transmigrating in physical life from sansaric attachments while still coursing through the realms of form, but now liberated to the engagement of life in its momentum and non-static experience in synchronicity with the sentient mind's awakening of the ninth consciousness of the ultimate truth. And Georgina, you just sent me an email saying the same thing in different words, yeah? That we're not separate things in the universe. We're interacting with everything in the cosmos all the time. It's hard to grasp, but it is the truth. Good sons and daughters, the nature of water is one, but a stream, a river, a well, a pond, a valley stream, a ditch, and even the great sea are different from one another. The nature of the law is like this. There is equality and no differentiation in washing off the dirt of delusions, but the three laws, the four merits, and the two ways are not one in the same. Right? The three laws are the four noble truths, the twelve causes, and the six paramitas. Right? The, the three lesser teachings. But they're all pointing, they're all washing off dirt, they're all doing the same work. Right? This is something I point out all the time. There's a consistency to Shakyamuni's teachings from day one. What changes is the capacity of the audience, and therefore the expedient means used to reach those capacities. Hmm? All right. Though each washes equally as water, a well is not a pond, a pond is not a stream or a river, nor is a valley a stream or a ditch a sea. This is a perfect example of the samsaric problem of identification, right? As discussed in the foreword. As the Tathagata, the world's hero, is free in the law, all the laws taught by him are also like this. Though teaching at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end, all alike 
effectively wash off the delusions of living beings. The beginning is not the middle, and the middle is not the end. Teaching, at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end, are the same in expression, but different from one another in meaning. Once again, stating what I've repeated just a few moments ago, that it is not the fault of Shakyamuni that the teachings seem different from one era to another, one period of teachings to the five periods, right? Or the three Dharma ages is because of the audience that they seem different. But now all of that difference is going to be resolved in the Lotus Sutra with one vehicle, one method for all. A reference here to the three ages of teachings of former, middle, and latter ages, also known as the right dharma semblance or counterfeit dharma and the de degeneration dharma, specific to this and other statements throughout this sutra and up to the ninth chapter of the lotus, this counterfeit dharma teaching is specific to the three vehicles of Shravaka, Pratyeka Buddha, and Lotus Bodhisattva that had held the maximal attainment in this life as the path of the Arhant or Arhat. This is the false nirvana, or the counterfeit, mentioned earlier and elaborated as an expedient device in the Conjured City parable. I really want you to get that point. Hmm? Good sons and daughters, when I rolled the law wheel of the Four Noble Truths for the five men, Anjnata, Gaundinya, and the others, at the Deer Park in Varanasi, after leaving the King of Trees, I taught that the laws are naturally vacant, ceaselessly transformed, right? Moment to moment, moment to moment. And instantly born and destroyed. How long is a moment? Cycle, birth to death, birth to death, birth to death, moment, moment, moment. Hmm? When I discoursed explaining the 12 causes and the six paramitas for all the bhikshus, bhikshunis, and bodhisattvas in various places during the middle, the counterfeit or semblance period, I taught also that all laws are naturally vacant, ceaselessly transformed, and instantly born and destroyed. Now, in explaining the Sutra of Innumerable Meanings, a great vehicle, at this time I teach also that all laws are naturally vacant, ceaselessly transformed, and instantly born and destroyed. But hopefully with a, a different depth of understanding, yes? Good sons and daughters, therefore the teaching at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end are the same in expression, but different from one another in their meaning. As the meaning varies, the understanding of living beings varies. You could say that backwards. As you develop capacity to understand, so too does the meaning deepen, right? As the meaning varies, the understanding of living beings varies. As the understanding varies, the attainment of the law, the merit, and the way also varies. This is a critical point that Nietzsche stands on in latter day or age, as the capacity of the people in those ages has rendered the earlier scholarship impotent to contend with the profound delusions and resistance of the populace to the possibility of enlightenment and the ardor of practice. 
In the final age or latter day, Japanese Mapo, only the simple and straightforward method of awakening the Buddha experience within the mind of living beings could possibly succeed in these defiled and enormously deluded times. Our monkeys are super loud and incalculable. Good sons and daughters at the beginning, though I taught the four truths for those who sought to be Shravakas. Eight codas of heavenly beings came down to hear the law and raise the desire for enlightenment. In the middle, though I taught in various places the profound twelve causes for those who sought to be Prachagabuddhas, innumerable living beings raised the aspiration for enlightenment or remained in the stage of Sravaka. Next, though, I explained the long-term practice of bodhisattvas through teaching the twelve types of sutras of great extent, the Mahaprajna, a.k.a. perfection of wisdom, and the emptiness of the garland sea, a hundred thousand bhikshus, myriad codas of men and universal realms of influence, and innumerable livings, uh, living beings, could remain in the merits of Throtarapana, Sakridagamin, Anagamin, and Arhat, or in the law appropriate to the Pratika Buddha. Good sons and daughters, for this reason, it is known that the teaching is the same, but the meaning varies. As the meaning varies, the understanding of living beings varies. As the understanding varies, the attainment of the law, the merit, and the way also varies. So, good sons and daughters, since I attained the way and stood to teach the law for the first time, till I spoke the sutra of immeasurable, uh, innumerable meanings, the great vehicle today, I have never ceased from teaching suffering, emptiness, transience, selflessness, selflessness, non-truth, non-reality, non-large, non-small, non-birth in origin, and also non-death at present, one aspect, non-aspect, and the form of the law, the nature of the law, non-coming, non-going, and the four aspects by which all the living are driven. Good sons and daughters, for this reason, all the Buddhas without a double tongue answer widely all voices within one word. Though having one body reveal bodies innumerable and numberless as the sands of the Ganges of a hundred thousand myriad codas of Nayutas, in each body display various forms countless as the sands of some hundred thousand myriad codas Nayutas Asamkaya Ganges, and in each form show shapes countless as the sands of some hundred thousand myriad codas Nayutas Asamkaya Ganges. That's each one of us, three thousand realms in a single thought moment, demonstrate we are not linear. We are constantly being influenced by ourselves, by our environment, by others, and making subtle little movements within our karmic parameter, that huge soup of momentum, instantiating moment to moment, birthday, 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 meandering along until we take control and push a certain direction. We're just all over the map. All the time, yeah?
Good sons and daughters, this is namely the incomprehensible and profound world of Buddhas. Men of the two vehicles cannot comprehend it. And even bodhisattvas of the ten stages cannot attain it. Only a Buddha, together with a Buddha, can fathom it well. Good sons and daughters, thereupon I say, the Sutra of Innumerable Meanings, the wonderful, profound, and supreme great vehicle, is reasonable in its logic, unsurpassed in its worth, and protected by all the Buddhas of the three spheres, three worlds. No kind of demon or heretic can break into it, nor can any wrong view or life and death destroy it. Bodhisattva Mahasattvas, if you want to accomplish Supreme Buddhahood quickly, you should learn and master the Sutra of Innumerable Meanings. Such a profound and supreme great vehicle. Now you can see, just by the construct of this sentence, whether it was intentional in the translation or not, you can read into it that the Sutra of Innumerable Meanings is this Sutra which is to, to follow the lotus. This Sutra of Innumerable Meanings is the Sutra of the wonderful Lotus Dharma teaching. Hmm? After the Buddha had finished explaining this, the 3,000 great thousandfold world was shaken in six ways. Various kinds of celestial flowers such as uh, Utpala, Padma, Kumuda, and Pundarika the lotus, rained down naturally from the sky, and innumerable kinds of celestial perfumes, robes, garlands, and treasures of priceless value also rained and came rolling down from the sky, and they were offered to the Buddha, all the bodhisattvas and shravakas, and the great assembly. There must have, must have been, in other words, a collective moment of, I think I'm getting this, I think this is this is profoundly changing my practice, yes? The celestial bins and bowls were filled with all sorts of celestial delicacies, celestial banners, flags, canopies, and playthings were placed everywhere, and celestial music was played in praise of the Buddha. Was that Shakyamuni? In praise of the Buddha. Everyone's Buddha. Nature, Buddha, Ness, right? All right, that's it for today. We'll continue with chapter two. I'm really, uh, every time I read this Innumerable Meanings Prologue Sutra, I'm stunned at how few, you know what, we could finish this one today. There's not that much more to it. Do you mind? We'll go a little bit long, so just so we can finish it. It's only a page. Also the Buddha worlds, as many as the sands of the Ganges and the directions of the east and west were shaken in the six ways, celestial flowers, perfumes, robes, blah, 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 blah. And celestial music played in praise of those Buddhas. You see what I mean? That's not Shakyamuni. That's all of us. All sentient minds. All sentient living beings. Those bodhisattvas, the Shravakas and the Great Assembly. 
So too was it in the southern, western, northern quarters, in the four immediate directions, and in the zenith and the deer above and below. At this time, 32,000 Bodhisattva Mahasattvas in the assembly attained to the completion of innumerable meanings. 34,000 Bodhisattva Mahasattvas obtained the numberless and infinite realms of Dharani, right, expedient words and phrases, so they became real good promulgators of this teaching. Dharani are key words or phrases that are used as expedient devices to capture much longer texts or teachings within a short or abbreviated form. Nyohorengekyo is a Dharani. And came to roll the never retrogressing law wheel of Buddhas all over the three worlds. All the bhikshus, bhikshunis, upasakas, upasikas, universal realms of influence, dragons, yakshas, gandharas, Ashuras, Garudas, Kimnaras, Mahoragas, Great Wheel Rolling Kings, Small Wheel Rolling Kings, Kings of the Silver Wheel, Iron Wheel, and Other Wheels, Kings and Princes, Ministers and People, Men and Women, the Great Rich Persons, and all the groups of a 100,000 followers, hearing together the Buddha Tathagata teaching this sutra, obtained the law of warming, the law of the highest, the law of the best in the world, the merit of Sotapana, the merit of Sakridargami, a term used by Buddha Shakyamuni when he described four levels of or degrees of attainment. Sakridagamin is the second degree. The merit of the Anagamin, the merit of the Arhat, the merit of the Pratyeka Buddha attained to the Bodhisattva's assurance of the law of no birth, or the transcendence of the cycle of birth and death or birth and death, sorry. Right? Birth, death, birth, death, birth, death. Acquired one Dharani, two Dharanis, three Dharanis, four Dharanis, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Dharanis, a hundred thousand myriad codas of Dharanis, and Asamkaya Dharanis, as innumerable as the sands of the Ganges. Very well versed, yes? And all came to roll the never-retrogressing law wheel rightly. Infinite living beings gain the aspiration to perfect enlightenment. And to close the chapter, my annotation is, as this sutra is a prologue to the enumerations and instructions of the Lotus Sutra, it contains several elements to be discussed in the Lotus Sutra proper. This format is quite reminiscent of contemporary movie trailers that show many key moments of the feature film and sometimes border on giving away the entire story, right? Do you ever feel at the end of a, a movie trailer that you no longer feel like you need to see the movie because it was all compressed into the trailer? Why go see the movie? We just saw everything. Well, the, the, this prologue, this innumerable meanings, quote-unquote, prologue to the Lotus Sutra is somewhat like that. Of course, it is for us because we're quite educated and and exposed to Nietzsche's, for one thing, extensive doctrine on how to read the Lotus Sutra. Um, but you can imagine at the time, yeah, this was earth-shattering, right? The earthquake in six directions, yeah? All right, next chapter, chapter three, the final chapter of the innumerable meanings, is called the Ten Merits, and this is where we will begin in the next talk. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your practice. 
I've, it, it's so exciting. I, it's, I never tire of reading these. I don't know how many Lotus Sutras I've read now. This is my stab at it to try to make it as clear as possible without confusing rhetoric and uh, staying true to the, the scholarship, the academics of it, yeah. Um, and I hope my annotations help to tie this in with our Nietzschean doctrine of the practice. Because I haven't seen that done before, and I think it helps in understanding what it is we're reading when we can read the two kind of together, right? So once again, uh, those of you who like and subscribe, it's the simplest Bodhisattva act you can do to help propel, propagate this resource of teachings. Uh, those of you who buy ebooks, pr uh, pr um, print books, uh, mandalas, uh, you, you f help fund paying for these uh, internet connections and the, the various things that I need to keep things running here to make this resource alive and constantly growing. Patrons, you do the amazing work of supporting us paying the bills and making these videos possible and making it possible for the podcast to be free, these videos to be free, right? And all of the various information that you can print out on threefoldlotus.com, all free. Everything here is about solidifying your practice, increasing your confidence so that you know with no doubt, namo myoho renge kyo, you are opening your Buddha eye. Take care of your health, and I'll see you in the next one, all right? Bye for now.